All right. So, yeah, I saw this old uh, Joe Biden tweet comes from uh, October 22nd, 2020. Biden says 220,000 deaths. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who is responsible for that many deaths should not remain president of the United States. So, uh, well, I guess <laughs> it's time to impeach Biden. Yeah. <laughs> the United States has no right, no desire, and no intention to impose our form of government on anyone else. No democracy can survive when its public life, its public goods are so privatized and militarized and individualize. So you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. So we tell a handful of billionaires who become phenomenally richer, yeah, you're going to have to pay more But yeah, I just think like this response to the pandemic like is really disturbing to me because I feel like, you know, everyone was like, oh, like this is ridiculous. And like people are saying that like Trump, like I think political analysts specifically are saying that like, one of the reasons that like Trump didn't win this time is because his response to the pandemic was so bad. But like, what has, how has Joe Biden done any better? Like what are, what, how many deaths are we at under the Biden presidency now? Um, I think total, we just surpassed 800,000 recently. Um, under Biden specifically, I believe yesterday marked 400,000 Americans dying of COVID under, under his watch. So yeah, not a not a terribly impressive track record. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like that's the thing is that the Democrats are so obsessed with like acting like Joe Biden is doing such a great job, but I just think like by ending like he took so many people off unemployment and that's another thing he was bragging about um I believe on Twitter like a couple days ago he was saying like, "Oh, we have less Americans on unemployment than we did during the 1960s. And it's like, that's because you kicked everybody off and people are like suffering because of that. You now know what they're I'm forced to go back to these low wage jobs where they're not paid adequately. They don't have benefits. They're again, at risk of getting this pandemic. Yeah. I, I feel like it just kind of illustrates something that we saw under Trump and, and we're now seeing under him is this, like readiness or urgent urgency to get back to normal or mm-hmm. get back to quote unquote normal right? Um, without taking the steps to get back to normal. Like I remember at the very beginning, Trump saying like, oh, you know, it's only going to last a week or a month or we'll all be back. We'll be back in, in the churches and the pews for yeah, Easter. For Easter. I and, remember that. And it was just like this, this like, okay, let's get the ball rolling and the lockdowns and this and they like get back to normal before taking the necessary steps to get back to normal. And I think Trump deserves a lot of blame for that. And I think you're right in terms of why he lost in 2020. I think a lot of it has to do with just how awful his response was to COVID and how like he downplayed it in front of people, but talked about the seriousness of it behind the scenes, you know, talking on the phone with with people saying like, oh yeah, it spreads through the air and it gets in, you know, young children can get it. And then he'd go out and say the opposite. He'd joke about it. Like, oh, they're going to say you have to wear a mask in your sleep next. (laughs) When in reality, he knew how serious it was. Yeah. And I think the Biden administration has certainly taken it more seriously, but they're still like, again, like, you know, 
And we can talk about like the Build Back Better Act and how that really doesn't seem to be something that's going to happen at the same time as, you know, the trial tax credit, which was phenomenally successful and popular, um, Mm -hmm. ending soon. Um, Student loans being deferred, that's ending soon. Uh, Payments are going to start back up January 31st. Um, And the Biden administration is not only not canceling um, student, student loan debt, but they're also not deferring the debt for any longer. So yeah, it's just, it, it, it's an all around bad response. I think it's bad, practically speaking, just in terms of like, you know, helping regular people. And I, I think it's also bad politically, you know, I mean, 2022 is literally right around the corner and that's the midterms, right? And people are going to notice, people are going to see, oh, you know, my student loans were stopped under Trump. under Betsy DeVos, who is public enemy number one, and they're they're starting back up under Biden, you know, and this isn't to say that Trump is this progressive champion of the working class, because he's not, but like, that's a big deal for a lot of people. That's the stuff that people remember when they decide to vote or decide not to vote. Hint, hint, Democrats. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, like somebody tweeted the other day, like, people aren't thinking about like, these like in-depth like dialogues over you know (laughs) like deep political issues they're thinking about like the very surface level like how is politics affecting me like you know is my kid safe at school is like you know do I have to make student loan payments and I think that like I was talking about this with my mom today actually and she was like it's very funny how or funny is not the right word um but like the Republican party has almost become the party of the working class, even though, you know, as you and I both know, they donate massive amounts of money or like they take massive amounts of money in corporate donations. Um, They do the bidding of the rich. Like they are not the party of the working class, but they present themselves that way. And on the other hand, like the democratic party has become this party of like elitists where like, you know, they care about things like, uh, critical race theory being taught in schools and like you know they act all high and mighty and speaking of the critical race theory I do want to we received some listener feedback um and this this listener said that it sounded like we were saying that the egg example that I was referring to in the last episode was inadequate and that uh we should be teaching critical race theory to kindergartners and well we here at nothing left just wanted to clarify that Yes, something like the egg example is a good, adequate place to start, but it's not good enough. And that children, you know, eventually should be taught about, um, you know, like the the systemic racism that's plaguing our country. But I, I absolutely do think, Nick, that like, you know, we have to keep in mind, like how and Democrats really struggle with like how they can get people out to the polls because what happens is that people don't get excited about voting for a democrat they just feel like it's an obligation and for some people that's not even a strong enough you know motivator well yeah and they make it out to be an obligation like the democratic politicians they're like oh you have to vote or we're gonna lose we're gonna lose the house or we're gonna lose the senate or you know do you want do you want four years of a, of a Republican? And we've talked about this before. Like when you, when all you have to offer is fear, that's not like, that's not a convincing argument. 
you know, and the Republican Party is getting better at, you know, even though they're not doing it in practice, at least presenting themselves as the, the party of the working class, whereas the Democrat, the Democratic Party is getting more, getting more into like, you know, what's politically correct, mm-hmm. you know, what's socially acceptable to say. And like, I mean, listen, I think that there are genuine conversations to have there, but I also know that like a lot of that stuff turns off people, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people see that and, and they roll their eyes. And when you talk about winning an election, like that's not like messaging's important. Messaging's hugely important. And it's something that the Republicans do a lot better than the Democrats. But speaking of that, I, I have a tweet here from, from Cori Bush. Uh, Congresswoman Cori Bush, uh, she tweeted this a couple days ago. She said, a note to Democrats who blame progressives after losing an election, forcing millions uh, to start paying student loans again and cutting off the child tax credit at the start of an election year is not a winning strategy. We're warning you now, please don't point fingers in November. Yeah. So this goes to something else that they'll do is they'll say, oh, if you're criticizing the Democrats like we were a couple seconds ago for the child tax credit be, um, expiring or starting up student loans again, you know, they'll act like, oh, you're um, you're doing the bidding of the Republicans or you're talking like a Republican. Um, and even some of these replies here to her, like someone said, do this in private. Twitter is not the place to air party differences. It rattles voter confidence. We cannot afford this at this crucial time in our country's history. You need you need to take this tweet down. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! We're asking this for is like, our this is... to represent us. Exactly, but like that's what these people do. Is like you can't even talk about this. Take this tweet down. Like rattle this rattles party. Uh, this rattles voter confidence. No, you know what rattles voter confidence? Um, campaigning on something like canceling student loan debt and not doing it. That's what rattles voter confidence. Joe yeah, Biden. Absolutely. And well Cory Bush is trying to warn them, but I don't know if they're going to listen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like <laughs> it, like that, that phrase, it rattles voter confidence to me, I think is just so exemplary of like the problem that we have of like <laughs> this idea that like, you know, people need to vote for Democrats and then just go along with whatever the Democrats want rather than like, you know, essentially the ideas that the country was founded on that, like, again, like I was just saying, like, we should elect people who will represent what we want the world to look like. And as an American, it's like, you don't even really have that option anymore. Like you have to pick between like the horrible, awful Republican party or the less bad, if that Democratic party. And like, the fact that like rather than saying like this is what we want our government to look like we instead have to say like okay i'm just gonna go along with you know whatever the party in power wants me to do like that's ridiculous yeah again this doesn't excite people and going back to what i was saying earlier about like the democrats being too pc or maybe too over the top when it comes to language one of the things that Republicans do good at, or one of the things I think they're good at is they will tap into that and they'll, they'll actually like wear being politically incorrect as like a badge of honor, you know, like, oh, I'm closer to you regular people because I'm not 
you know, I'm not I'm not using the phrases or the language that they're using in in Washington, D.C. or the media. Um, but the place, obviously, where, you know, they're not representing the voters is, you know, like you said, representing donors, taking corporate campaign contributions. And the Democrats do that, too. But like, I mean, at least the Democrats were offering build back better. Right. At least they were offering an infrastructure bill. I mean, the American Rescue Plan had bipartisan support and not a single Republican voted for it. So, yeah, you're kind of forced to choose between this party that, you know, doesn't want to do anything for you and is like Islamophobic and borderline fascist and this party that's just basically ineffectual, you know, like yeah. they've, got, they've got the right policies, but like, like you, you, you can't even mobilize your own caucus to, to get behind it and, and, and support it. There was a video this week um, of Kamala Harris. She was on, she was on Charlemagne the God's show. Ah, I love that and he, guy. <laughs> yeah. And he asked her, he was like, cause he brought up this issue about how like Joe Manchin is, is blocking the build back better act. And he brought it up to her and she asked, and he asked her, you know, Madam vice president is, is Joe Biden the president or is Joe Manchin the president? Mm. And it was, it was hilarious. Cause when he first asked that her staffers were like behind the scenes, like trying to end the video or end the interview. Really? Saying, oh, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. There's a problem with the audio. And Charlemagne the God's like, oh, they're pretending like they can't hear me. And Kamala Harris was like, no, no, I can hear you. Hear you just fine. Like she wanted to answer the question. And she does, but she gets like, she gets like pissed. She's like, oh, come on, Charlemagne. Joe Biden's the president. And I'm the vice president. And my name's Kamala Harris. And wow, it's just and, and, but then it's interesting because then she goes, she went into this like speech about like, you know, we need to do this because we need to end child poverty. We need to do this because we need to make sure that insulin's affordable. We need to do this because we need to make, you know, we need to end food security. And it's like, why? OK, yeah. Why aren't you telling Joe Manchin that? Or why aren't you right. telling going to the media or why aren't you going to West Virginia? every day holding rallies you know asking the people of west virginia hey do you want to you want to make insulin more affordable well your senator joe manchin's blocking that so you should probably you should probably call his office or you should probably go to his house and you know don't let him <laughs> I, I i'm sorry but like don't let him live in peace until he votes for for this because this this is what the people want this is what his constituents in west virginia want right like by by holding this up he's not representing his conservative constituents in West Virginia, they want these things. Right. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Yeah, I think like a lot of the times like Democrats, like you'll talk to these like liberals and they'll be like, well, you can't blame Joe Biden for everything because, you know, the president has such limited power. But I don't really agree with that at all, because like I think over the course of history, like we have seen so much executive expansion to the point where like the president i mean you can sign an executive order look at trump was famous for it you know what i mean and like democrats just are not willing to politic that way and i think it really hurts us but i agree with you wholeheartedly nick i think that like in regards to like joe manchin like you are the president of the united states like joe biden is obviously and like you know get, get your party in line you know what i mean like you're just I just think it really demonstrates like yeah. a weak head of state if you can't show some leadership and get these people to act again like you're saying on behalf of their constituents 
Yeah, I think the president has enormous power. Like we saw with LBJ, how he got those senators to vote for the Civil Rights Act. And it was hard. It was like this, this stuff is not like anytime there's anything big, monumental that happens in history. It is not like like it just happens smoothly. Like you have to fight for it. You have to twist arms to get it. And that's what LBJ did. That's what FDR yeah. did, passing all these New Deal programs, threatening to expand the uh, the Supreme Court if Congress didn't go along with it. So, like, yeah, that's that's like you said, that's how you play politics. But you know, part of this is like, I don't even think Joe Biden like cares that much about getting this this stuff implemented. You know, and maybe they don't see the writing on the wall and how they will absolutely get their clocks cleaned next year if they don't do something substantial. But I mean, it's poll numbers, depending on what poll you look at, they're around like 38, 40 percent. I don't know. They, they, they need a wake up call and they need it soon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of powerful politicians, uh, our good buddy, uh, Dr. Oz, is running for uh, Senate. What state do you know? Um, so he's running as a Republican in the state of Pennsylvania. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what is his, do we know about his platform? I mean, all I've seen, I keep seeing these commercials and it, it looks like, it looks like he's just shooting it on his like television show, like on the set. Cause it looks like it doesn't even look like a, a political campaign. It looks, it looks like a doctor commercial. Like it looks like a commercial, like a pharmaceutical commercial. <laughs> so yeah, he's running as a Republican and he's taking all of these new positions. Like um, when it comes to abortion, he's now trying to portray himself as more pro-life even though there were a couple of years ago where he was like, he, he had written this big article about how he was worried about the Supreme court overturning Roe because about what it would mean for, for women and, you know, the health effects that they have to deal with if they have, you know, like a, a back alley abortion. Um, and now he's he, like, he's going on Fox news and trying to say that he's pro-life and it just looks very bizarre. It's, it's very, it's very awkward. And, I think the guy's just hungry for power and he's looking for an angle, but he can't really fit it quite, quite right. Yeah. I think like, I don't know. Like I just know him as like being buddies with like Oprah. That is how I think of Dr. Oz of like, and I think of Dr. Oz and maybe I'm like speaking out of turn here because I know that a lot of women are like big fans of his, but I kind of see him as like one of these, like, medical professionals and I have air quotes around that who like try and sell women all these like new crazy diets and like try and like you know this there's this underlying theme with like that kind of quote-unquote medicine that like you're not good enough that you need to like lose weight you need to have you know firmer skin and all that stuff you know what I'm saying yeah from, from what I understand that's a lot of like what his show was and Oprah was how he got his start yeah but I I remember a lot of it was just like selling snake oil or selling stuff that wasn't even legit or just stuff like that tv stuff and yeah now he's running for senate (laughs) i mean look i'm i'm sure like i mean he's one republican and it looks like there's other republicans who are planning on running in the primary too but there's also you know democrats like there's a guy named jeff bardos um he's he's a populist he's 
you know, he's talking about a lot of the issues that we talk about on, on this show. So he'll be a guy to sort of watch out for in a good way. But yeah, this is, I don't know. This is just weird. Yeah. I, I think like what gets me is, so I'm reading according to us news, he, and this is very funny to me as a Republican U.S. News says, in a one-minute video message on social media, Oz cast himself as a sort of champion for people's health who, quote, took on the medical establishment to argue against costly drugs and skyrocketing medical bills and is prepared to fight for a government that he says has mishandled the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's kind of interesting, Um... that last part, because, like, it kind of calls into question, like, now, you know, people like Biden obviously run ran on, excuse me, Trump's mishandling of the pandemic as we just talked about but now you know as the numbers have kind of illustrated joe biden has done kind of a pretty poor job with the pandemic and i just want to say briefly that i think like joe biden would be doing a lot better with the pandemic if he would have done things like you know ensuring like people's health care rather than having by you know enacting some kind of like medicare for all at the very least so that people their health care wasn't dependent on their work um i think that joe biden could have done a better pandemic job by like allowing people to have like more unemployment of instilling like worker protections because that's really what we're seeing is like a a labor issue happening in the country and i think your labor policy should be part of your pandemic response just to you know voice some of the, the policy reform that we're talking about here but What's interesting is now I wonder if the Republicans are going to kind of take the ball back and be like, look at how the Democrats have handled the pandemic. Republicans can do a better job. What do you think about that? Right. Um, well, first of all, just just a correction. Um, so the, the Democrat who's a populist I was talking about earlier was um, is John Fetterman. That's the guy running in the Democratic primary in Pennsylvania. Um, if you live in Pennsylvania, uh, look this guy up. He's, he's currently the lieutenant governor. And he's pretty badass. Um, he's talked about a lot of issues that we talk about on here, like environmental justice, uh, the minimum wage, health care, um, doing a wealth tax. And it's interesting because this guy looks like, I mean, I don't want to stereotype here, but like he looks like a factory worker in Southeast Michigan, you know? Oh. And so I'd love to see like how he being a more, you know, quote unquote, regular dude. Yeah. How he can take a progressive message to the people and see, uh, I'd like to see how it resonates. Yeah. No, me too. Because it, it sounds like, like if you can come off like he as looks, yeah, cause he class. Come, yeah. Cause he comes off as like a dude who's like kind of rough around the edges. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not another politician, which is exactly, I think what we need. Yeah. So yeah, if you're in Pennsylvania, um, look up John Fetterman and try to maybe support him or donate to him or get involved with his campaign somehow. But yeah, it, um, it'll be interesting to see what angle they take when it comes to COVID because, I mean, their whole position and to, to the extent that there's been one has been like no mask mandates, you know, no vaccines, right? Um, no vaccine mandates. So I don't, I don't even, I don't even know if they would use the death numbers against him you know oh there's been these many deaths it's been a disaster i feel like they might focus on things like inflation and maybe you know supply chain shortages which aren't really his fault but you know do people really know that no yeah so 
because like the the stuff with the inflation like a lot of it like people have been trying to say like oh it's because of all this government spending and you know the american rescue plan and the unemployment checks turns out it's really not there's actually a lot of well-respected economists who have traced the inflation back to the supply chains they basically said like hey at the start of the pandemic there were there was all this ppe that was shipped from china where it's mostly made all around the world mm-hmm. and so you just had like thousands literally millions of containers like dropped off as fast as possible all around the world not shipped back you know at, at the rate that they were coming okay you know so now when like like we're demanding more stuff from china their their containers aren't there and we're not able to get them back as fast that's what's screwing up prices and shortages shortages and stuff so it's but not again, even like, like a partisan issue like it's not the democrats fault or the republicans fault it sounds like it's more covid's fault yeah and and that's really you know kind of the entire covid pandemic is i i don't feel like i don't think you can blame it on one president you know right. whether it's biden or trump and i know i know you're not but yeah i, I don't know what angle they'll use against him in 2020 well 2022 and 2024 because i mean that's like like january 2022 is in, in a couple of weeks you know it's like what's what are we even going to look like in september of 2022 or november or october or november like just because just based on like how how fast things have changed like yeah like i don't know is there going to be another lockdown is there is, don't is say there, that <laughs> is there going to be a new variant um our case is going to go down sharply i mean i mean i hope so but i don't know i think like i really think that like it would be good to have and i know this is like a controversial take but like i really think that like wearing the mask i was talking to my brother about this today and like it's really such an easy thing that we can do to make the covid cases like to stop the spread of covid and i feel like i am willing to like wear the mask like as much as people want if that like is like i'll wear it to the gym you know i'll wear it to school whatever like as long as i can keep going about my life but if they do another lockdown that is really going to um be very upsetting i might have to storm the michigan state capitol i don't know (laughs) but yeah i mean well well that's the thing about it is like the same people and and you're not one of them because you actually would wear the mask but the same people who don't want another lockdown are the same people who don't want to get vaccinated and don't want to wear a mask right i mean right and those things are directly correlated unfortunately yeah and i just feel like it's this it's this weird like just petrol nonsense of like i I don't want to do anything it's like okay well is this just going to continue to spread and continue to overwhelm the healthcare system and in the hospitals like that's not sustainable like you're going to have to do something you're going to have to get vaccinated or you're going to have to wear a mask or like that's that's the state of things like i I don't like it nobody likes it but you know you've got to deal with reality on reality's terms yeah well said and i think what's disturbing to me nick is the covid cases are looking real bad like they are getting like close to like where they were at the beginning of the pandemic yeah, I know SNL tonight, we're recording this on Saturday. They're performing 
for the first time in a while without a live art audience and with a limited cast. So I don't know exactly what a limited cast means, but I know a live audience means there aren't people in the audience. So, so it's not even Saturday Night Live. It's just SN Saturday yeah, it's Night. Just, <laughs> it's just Saturday Night. Yeah. I mean, we'll there'll be an audience live. at home, but yeah. But yeah, I remember how. I remember how that started with like talk show hosts not having audiences and then they finally got them back. And I mean, I don't know how much foreshadowing that'll be for, you know, what happens amongst regular people in the next few weeks, but yeah, it's, it's not looking good. Uh, with this new Omicron variant though, um, it's weird because apparently the vaccines, I could be getting this wrong, but the vaccine, like the Pfizer vaccine, for example, protects you you have like 30 percent protection from it which is not good <laughs> but if you get it like let's say like i'm fully vaccinated i get omicron i only have like a 30 percent chance of having you know extremely serious symptoms like having to be hospitalized or something like that okay so it's like kind of good news kind of bad news yeah <laughs> 30% is still kind of high though. Like, don't get me wrong. I think vaccination is like a good thing. Again, I have my vaccine. I'll get the booster when I become eligible, but like I 30%, I mean, geez. Yeah. I mean, these are new numbers. So I mean, nothing set in stone, obviously right. the data, data is always changing. It's always coming out. Yeah. Sorry. Well, if you look at the data, like it does show that like most people who are hospitalized are unvaccinated like in yeah. this country that's very clear yeah so i i mean don't get me wrong i think the vaccines are, are good you know um get yours if you haven't yet <laughs> but Please. um there's another conversation here too about pfizer and moderna and these pharmaceutical giants mm -hmm. and we talked about this a little bit on the last on well maybe a few weeks ago about how they're not sharing their patents or or they're not allowing other countries the formula or the recipe essentially to you know replicate the vaccine or create the vaccine we talked about how the u.s isn't really pushing the trips waiver which would waive the patent rights and, and allow other countries poorer countries to develop the vaccine and i was thinking about that earlier today and i think i might have a new have a new conspiracy theory oh let's hear it so, so a lot of people are saying like, oh, you know, they just want you to get a booster because, you know, they want to make more money, you know, mm -hmm. they want to make more profits. And I, I don't think, I don't think it's that. I think, I think the boosters are genuine and they, you know, keep people healthy. But I do think that there is kind of a perverse incentive with these pharmaceutical giants. Like, I think there's something that they benefit from by not sharing these intellectual property rights, these patents with other countries. And what they benefit from is the fact that everybody in the rich, rich countries, for the most part, will be vaccinated. But you'll continue, you'll continue to have these variants that pop up all around the world. So there'll constantly be a need for these pharmaceutical oh. companies to create new boosters or create new vaccines. So they're kind yeah. of like relying on, oh, there's a new variant that popped. Oh, darn. Here. Well, let's uh recalibrate the vaccine okay go take this one you know yeah i think you're really onto something and in that sense like yes the like, vaccines are helpful yes the booster is helpful but it could be ended like we could end covid 
if we distributed that vaccine and that booster to everyone. Yeah, I think that's right. an excellent point, Nick. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, I just I was thinking about the other uh, earlier today because a lot of people are a lot a lot of people are are saying, like I said, you know, oh, they just they just want to make profits. You know, that's that's the only reason they want you to get vaccinated. It's like, mm, well, maybe maybe they they, they want to make profits, but maybe the the quest to make profits is coming from them not sharing those patents with yeah. with the rest of the world. I think that your like, quote unquote conspiracy theory makes a lot more sense than the more general one. Like I don't want to sound too Alex Jones here, but no, that well, but that's the thing. Like, who gets to decide what's where the line is between conspiracy theory and like actual like truth? You know what I'm saying? Because like if we look at something like, you know, and you and I have talked yeah. on here just for an example about like how the Nixon administration actively targeted black people and actively targeted hippies when it came to the war on drugs and that sounds like a conspiracy theory but then when you have people come out and confirm it like a nixon admin literally came out and said yeah this was like a conscious decision that we made at that point i mean it's not a conspiracy theory anymore it's just the truth yeah so, you know what i'm saying like there's nothing wrong with saying like hey you know here's this thing that could be going on I don't know. We, you know, where do we draw the line? Yeah, I mean, just given what we know about these companies and how they're driven by profits, they're private, they want to make a profit. I don't think it's too far fetched. Like, I think, mm -hmm. I think, and I've said this from the beginning. I think we need to separate like the the structure that's in place, where like pharmaceuticals just companies just want to make more and more money, and the actual scientists with like the PhDs and the MDs who who actually create these vaccines. Yeah. You know, like that that's one thing. These companies are another. But at the end of the day, it's like it's this Pfizer CEO who really decides what's what's going to happen. And he doesn't want to share that patent with the rest of the world, potentially because he's relying on all these new variants that are going to have to pop up and all these new boosters and updated vaccines that people have to get. Absolutely. And with that, there's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs>